live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick James. I am Rick Lee James, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. If you hear this voice today, do not turn in the window. Welcome back, Voices in My Head listeners. This is episode number 68. I am your host, Rick Lee James, and I'm very excited to be here with you today, as always, doing something I don't know if I've ever done before. I'm actually recording today's podcast on a Sunday afternoon. Had a nice worship service this morning at my church where I led music. And uh, just kind of a lazy day this afternoon, and I thought, hey, it's a good time to go downstairs and put out this podcast. A little bit later in the show, you're going to hear from my guest, Alan Scott. Alan has a great new single out produced by Ed Cash. It's called God in Me. We're going to play it for you here on the show. But even greater than the single, as good as it is, uh, you need to hear Alan's story of redemption and the way that God has worked and moved in him. It's nothing short of amazing what God has done. So I was so happy to be able to sit and talk with Alan for a while this past week. I think you're going to love hearing what he has to say. It's going to be an encouragement to you. Before we get to that, I do want to remind you that my new album, Basement Psalms Live, is on sale. You can get the digital video of it at getmopix.com. That's G-E-T-M-O-P-I-X.com for only $5.99. And uh, you can also get it on Amazon, you can order the DVD, you can order the CD, you can order it digitally from cdbaby.com, you can just go to rickleyjames.com, it's got all my information on there. Now I did want to say that I do have an upcoming concert at a fair up in Salina, Ohio at the beginning of August, I believe it's August 11th, and I'm looking for uh, some places to play in that area, possibly on the 11th in the morning, uh, my concert at the fair is not till the afternoon, or maybe a Saturday night, but somewhere in the Salina, Ohio area, if there's some place that uh, you can think of that's a venue, some sort of booking in the area, uh, I'd love to know about it. So just contact me through my website, rickleyjames.com, and uh, hopefully we can bring Basement Psalms live to your area. Well, it's been a busy time of year. Uh, In addition to writing a book and going through the editing process and all that's going on with that for the Basement Psalms live accompaniment that's going to be coming out... um, It's also been busy from a standpoint of I've had some invitations. Uh, Last week I was able to be a part of a forum about evil and the justice of God in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, They actually uh, FaceTimed me in over my iPod, my iPad. I keep calling it wrong. It's an iPad, not an iPod. But they were able to bring me in over FaceTime, and I had a discussion with some other pastors about evil in the world and what it means for God to be close to us at hand in that uh, present reality. So uh, it turned out to be very good. We were able to get a recording of it, and that's going to be an upcoming podcast. Also, I'm very excited that uh, in the very near future, we're going to be bringing to you All Sons and Daughters. They are a great musical duo. I'm sure that you have been hearing their songs in your churches They have been uh, currently on tour with Chris Tomlin. Uh, They have just released a fantastic live CD that I think you should go buy. Uh, It's honestly worth the money. Um, I was telling my Sunday school class that I was filling in for teaching today that uh, it gets my pick. Um, If it's something that you guys want that would really be an encouragement and a help, something to worship along to, check out All Sons and Daughters' new live album. It's very good. They're going to be on the show here in just a couple days. Uh, Well, at least we'll 
will be recording in a couple days, and I'm looking forward not only to talk to them about some of their road experiences, but because they are ministers in their local church, I would love to just pick their brain about leading and writing music for the local church, and I think that'll be of interest to some of you as well. They're really fun people to talk to, incredibly talented musicians, and I'm just so honored to have them on an upcoming episode here on Voices in My Head. So those are some coming attractions, so uh, be watching for that in the very near future. Without any further hesitation, let's go into this week's Question of the Week. Question of the Week Well, one of the questions that plagues us as humankind is, why in the world in the summertime when the weather finally gets nice do we stuff ourselves into movie theaters? Well, maybe the answer to that is because it's just so doggone hot. We want some air conditioning and, I don't know, some popcorn that costs $15, something like that. Uh, but our question of the week this week was just kind of a fun question because a lot of us are looking forward to some summer movies. I'm a superhero geek, so I love the superhero movies. I know that we're going to have several coming out this summer, but I wanted to get your thoughts. So question of the week for this week is which summer movie are you most looking forward to? Daniel Butcher wrote in, and he said, Monsters University. And I forgot about that. I guess there is going to be a sequel to Monsters, Inc. And Daniel is a big, big Disney fan. So uh, looking forward to Monsters University. Ron Kaluger said the new Star Trek movie. I'm also very much looking forward to that. Matt Anderson from the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast wrote in and said, Iron Man 3. <laughs> I am excited about that, too. I'm, I'm just hitting on all cylinders today. Matt Litton, our guest last week from the show, said the new Superman movie. He's looking forward to that. Hear, hear, Matthew. Uh, Christy Payne wrote in, and she said probably what's echoing on all of our hearts. She says, I'm just looking forward to summer, and uh, I agree with that. I'm looking forward to some good weather, being able to take some good walks outside with my boy. Uh, Mark Thompson Sr., Boy, I can't wait to spend some time with Mark Thompson this summer. He runs the Mission to the World Camp. You heard from him on the podcast last year. Um, he said, Superman. And I have to echo that, too. The movie I have been most anticipating, not just this year, but for years, is the new Man of Steel movie. I am such a big Superman fan, and I can't wait to uh, to be able to see it on the big screen. I hope I'm not disappointed. Uh, but that was the question of the week for this week. We're going to ask Alan Scott during the interview. Actually, I already asked him, but you're going to hear it later. Uh, so thanks for listening to Question of the Week. Uh, question of the Week for next time is, who is your favorite musical duo? And uh, that could be a lot of different people. Maybe it's like Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash. Maybe it's the swell season, you know, Glenn Hansard or Marquetta Urglova. Um, it could be tons of people. So um, who knows? Who's your favorite musical duo in honor of our interview upcoming with All Sons and Daughters? Love to hear your thoughts. All right, thanks for playing. Question of the Week. Question of the Week. I do want to remind you that Question of the Week can be answered every week on our Twitter at Voices in My Head P. I also put it up on the Voices in My Head Facebook page, so make sure you look out for that. I try to put the question up every single week, and I try to ask it every week to our guests as, as much as it will lend itself to it. Um, but anyway, that's just a side note. I want to remind you about that. But do be watching our Twitter feed. If you don't follow uh, anybody on Twitter or you don't have a Twitter account yet, set one up if you can, because um, it's a lot of fun, and it's a great way to keep in touch with people. It's just short little blurb. If you do know Twitter and you haven't been following us yet, make sure to follow us at Voices in My Head P, or you can follow my personal 
Twitter at Rick Lee James. Well, it was my great pleasure last week to be able to sit down and have a conversation with Alan Scott. Aside from being just a great, great guy, Alan is an incredible musician, and his life has been so touched by God. There's some people that you talk to and you hear their God story, and it's great. It's nice to hear. But then there's people like Alan that just encourages you so much, you want to just go out and do something. I mean, he really is uh, an incredible individual who I believe God has blessed his life. You're going to hear his story today. Maybe you've seen him when he's been out on tour. Maybe you've heard him on the radio or even seen him on the 700 Club on television giving his testimony. Well, you're going to get to hear his testimony even more in depth today. It's a wonderful story that I believe you need to hear. And if there's any friends or family that need some encouragement, maybe some people that struggle with addiction, um, they need to hear this today. So do me a favor. If there's somebody like that in your life, a friend or somebody you love that is struggling with an addiction and you don't know how to help them, let them hear this podcast. Let them hear Alan's story. He is definitely living proof that God is alive and well, and he is doing some amazing things in the lives and in the hearts of his people. Well, without any further hesitation, let's hear Alan Scott. And at the end of the interview, you're going to hear his new song, God in me. Christ is joy, Christ is peace. My guest today has worked with Paul Balash, Big Daddy Weave, Anthem Lights, and Abandoned, just to name a few. Aside from being a very talented singer and songwriter, he also has a powerful testimony of God's redemption in his own life. His latest single, God in Me, releases on iTunes on May 4th, and he hits the road for a radio tour with Jason Crabb on May 26th. It's my pleasure to welcome Alan Scott to the Voices in My Head podcast. Welcome, Alan, to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm uh, really excited to be here. Well, it is, uh, it's a real pleasure for us to be able to talk to you. I've been enjoying your music online, and we're looking forward to, oh, great. to great things from the new single that's coming out here. But let's start out by talking about that single. I want to hear about God in Me. I've been listening to it, and uh, I, I'm enjoying it a lot, but I want to hear from you kind of where the song came from, what brought it about. Just tell, tell the listeners about it, and, and we're going to play it at the end of the show, too. But this is kind of like a coming attraction here. That sounds great. Well, you know, um, the song uh, was about, um, you know, just in my own life, I've just, God has, um, you know, I've messed up a lot of things in my life. Um, and I, you know, I have, uh, I fell short in a lot of areas and, you know, just as a drug addict and, um, you know, just everything someone could mess up, they messed up. I messed up. And, uh, you know, I wasn't at, at the tail end of a winning streak when God found me. And, um, you know, even in my Christian life, um, you know, I, it was really easy, uh, you know, after I became a Christian, um, when I first became a Christian, I understood that I, it was grace, you know what I mean? I knew that I didn't deserve it, but then somewhere along the way, I began to think um, that it was up to me and my ability and, and how well I could do it or, you know, how well I wasn't doing it, and it got... um you know, after a while living like that up and down, uh, just it just became very tiring. It was almost like uh, being a bipolar Christian. I would be up one minute and I would be down the next minute, and uh, 
And as I look back, uh, you know, there was a turning point probably in 2008 where I began to understand that it's not about my ability. It's not about my ability to get it right. It's about God's ability to get it right. And, um, you know, I may get it wrong and I may fail, but God will never fail. Matter of fact, it's, it's impossible for him to fail at anything that he begins. And the reality is in the life of someone who has Christ in their life is that God began in them. And so God cannot fail at anything he starts. And since he started in us, he cannot fail with us. And so this song is just kind of, uh, you know, was just written out of, uh, you know, a place where, you know, when um, even when uh, when we've fallen short, when we've gotten it wrong, when we've been afraid, uh, when we've messed things up, God is able. He is faithful. He is victory. He lives inside of us. And he will not fail with us. And uh, that's just kind of, um, you know, what I wrote the song about. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of the soundtrack to my life. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I, I want to share some of the lyrics to the song. And one line especially stands out to me when you mentioned just a moment ago that, about the victory that God gives. And the line goes, When I was lost in the ocean of my sin, you were faithful to me then. Now I am found favored and make, made clean. You will not fail in me. And that line about you will not fail in me is so powerful. I really appreciate mm. that so much because um, so often as um, as Christians, it's easy for us to talk about the things that we fail at. Um, mm-hmm. but we, we forget, too, sometimes that Scripture does remind us that we are no longer slaves, you know, to sin. That's and right. Yeah. The idea that it is God's power in me, I love that line, you will not fail in me. So just yeah. aside from, you know, when I may fail, he will not. And so That's right. That is some Yeah, that is so good, man. It gets me all excited. <laughs> it revs me up. <laughs> That's great, man. Well, the single sounds really good, too. So it sounds like you must have had a really fantastic producer on that. You want to tell us a little bit about the producer you worked with? Yeah, um, the... Uh, guy who produced it was actually a team it was uh scott and ed cash and they're great guys and they are just really good at what they do and they've worked with a lot of different people from chris tomlin and carrie job and chris august and just a lot of especially a lot of real worship um just based artists and they you know when they produce a song you know a producer really has the ability to, to kind of color the song and they're just um they're so authentic and uh they just they really have a heart for worship. And, you know, I can really see that when I was working with them. And, um, you know, they really were, uh, they really wanted, uh, you know, what I was saying to come through clearly. And um, so, you know, just the entire time I was working with them, like, there was just such a high level of competence. I mean, you could just tell that they got it. They understood it. They were really talented. They're really humble. Hmm. And um, so, yeah, it was just, it was really great to have the opportunity to work with them. Well, that's awesome. And Ed Cash is, you know, one of the most sought-after producers in the business to work with. And and from what I understand, like you said, just a really very personable guy, too. And it wasn't long ago I was talking with Keith Getty, and uh, he has a, a new song on his album that he and Kristen uh, sang together. And Ed Cash wrote one of the songs with him. And he said, I, he said, mm-hmm. I didn't know with the, the hymn-like structure I usually do what I'd be doing with Ed Cash. He said, but we somehow made it work. <laughs> so... Uh, oh yeah, 
but that just tells you it speaks to me of of his versatility too because you know he can work with everybody from a Toby Mac to a Chris Tomlin to Keith and Kristen Getty I mean and and you yourself he's done a great job with what you've brought him so uh so yeah. congr- congratulations on that that's fantastic Hey thank you well, um, on the 700 Club, you had the uh, the privilege of being a guest on that show, and uh, I got to know a little bit of your background through there and watching some videos of your testimony, but your testimony is such a powerful part of your message, and I think it really brings a whole new meaning to the song God and Me when we hear it. Could you share some of your testimony with us? Absolutely. Um, so I was, uh, I was born in Washington State, and... Um, my uh both of my my mom and I'll explain this a little bit but my stepfather uh they're both in the navy and so I lived in a little town outside of uh um Seattle it's called Bremerton it's a, basically a naval base and um my uh my very early on um there was a, there was infidelity in the relationship and and that's actually how I I had come about and uh so my my mom had had an affair and um and so, and then I actually have a younger brother, and my brother and I had the same father, um, but it wasn't uh, the guy that she was married to at the time. Hmm. So, right from the beginning, there was always this kind of, um, in their relationship, uh, you know, from as far back as I can remember, there was always a lot of fighting, a lot of arguing, and you can imagine just that kind of um, dynamic uh, that would be there um, in a relationship. And so, when I was, uh, when I was three years old, um, my family moved from uh, Washington State. We moved to Pennsylvania, and um, and I was, you know, I I always remember, uh, you know, just uh, real tense moments in the home. Uh, my parents yelling at each other, and um, you know, I think I really began to play out in my childhood. I remember um, in my interactions with other people, and uh, you know, at you know, it, on the playground or wherever. I remember the feeling that I identified the most with was a feeling of rejection and just wanting um, to get the approval of other people, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. I'm not the only one who's, you know, had a a dysfunctional home life. But, um, you know, and so I was always trying to earn, um, you know, always trying to earn that approval from other people. And I remember that when I was young, I would get made fun of a lot. um, And so I began, my my parents divorced in, in, when I was eight years old. And I remember how that happened. It was really crazy. I, I lived with my stepfather, and I didn't know that he wasn't my real father. Hmm. And uh, my brother didn't know anything about this either. Um, so he ra- he was raising us, and we lived with him, and my mom would get to see us on the weekends. And uh, my mom had a, an apartment, and my, my stepfather didn't know what that apartment was. And so, you know, we were living our, our life with my dad, and this one weekend we went to see my mom. And... Um, I just want to preface this by saying that my stepdad had decided he, he was going to move back west, and he was going to take my brother and I with him. And you know, my mom would be here on the east coast, so she understandably was um, upset about that. So one uh, weekend when she had custody, uh, my you know my stepdad dropped us off, and she took us to her apartment. And then that was when she told us she said, "You're not going to see your your father again." And uh, he didn't know, uh, you know where we were, um, you know, necessarily the apartment because they would, they would pick us up and drop us off at a neutral location. And I just remember screaming and trying to get to the phone, uh, to call him. And, um, and that was, but you know, my mom just had a desperation was trying to keep us in her life. So I can understand 
what was going on there. But that was real hard, and that was that was uh, I, saw, I only saw him one other time after that, um, and that was when I was eight years old. And so, you know, my parents they had divorced, and uh, there were a couple years actually where where things were semi sane in my life. Um, but you know, I began to just get in more and more trouble. Um, and uh, when I was around 11 years old, I was um, you know, I just started to get involved in, uh, I, you know, I was really looking for the approval of others. And so I was, you know, I was open-minded. I was willing to try whatever would kind of make me uh, fit in with whoever I was around. I wanted to be one of the cool guys. And so I started getting involved with uh, drugs when I was 11 or 12 years old. And, um, you know, I remember um, it was probably, it was, it could have been maybe 12 or 13, actually. Oh. I was in a Bible class and I remember I, I went to a private school. My mom was working hard to put us in private school. And I remember taking LSD, and that was pretty much the beginning of the whole thing. And, hmm. you know, from from there, um, you know, I I eventually uh, was expelled from that private school, and that was a big ordeal. But basically, um, you know, a lead paramedic from a major city. Uh, my friend and I had spent the night at his house. We got drunk, and he was... Uh, injecting us with Valium, and I turned into a big court case, and um, and you know, and it was in all the newspapers, and, and the school eventually expelled us, and I didn't want to be there um, anyway. But wow. so uh, I went into the public school system, and I remember right away thinking when I went into the public school system, I wanted to decide who my friends are going to be. You know, I wanted to be accepted, so I immediately gravitated and started, uh, you know, hanging out with the kids that were, you know, the bad kids, and uh, and I, uh, you know, I. I eventually got really heavy into drugs and alcohol. Um, I, I just became a trash can in high school, and I would just put whatever I could into my body. And by the time I hit my senior year, I dropped out. I was into drug, drug and alcohol rehab. My brother was into drug and alcohol rehab. And, um, you know, my mom had remarried uh, when I was 12 years old, and that marriage was just a complete train wreck. And uh, right around this, that time, right around when I was 17 years old, um, you know, the man that my mom was married to was, pulled out of the house in handcuffs and put in jail for, you know, domestic violence. And, um, you know, and, and I just want to say, I, you know, my drug use and my bad choices were not the result of my parents. I'm just, I, I am giving this, I'm saying this, uh, so that if there's anyone out there that can relate, um, yeah. you know, uh, to where, where I've been, you know, I just, you know, you're not alone. And so basically, uh, from the time that I was 18, you know, I, I went to rehab and, I always knew God was real because when I was really young, my mom had instilled uh, faith in me. Um, she just, you know, I accepted the Lord when I was three years old. And so I knew who he was. And even though my home life was crazy, you know, she kind of put the, the foundation in there. And so, um, you know, I got out of rehab when I was 18. I was not ready. Um, you know, I did not want to let God into my life. And uh, I didn't want anything to do with him. And so I kept going down the road uh, that I was going down. And I just want to say that, um, you know, I want to backtrack to when I was maybe 11 years old. I started getting involved in music. I loved it. I loved playing guitar. I loved writing music. And, uh, you know, I was really passionate about it. I would do it for hours and hours a day. And um, and I knew that uh, in my heart, I knew that I, that was going to be, you know, God was going to use that in my life somehow. But, you know, by the time I was 18 or 19 and I was getting heavier and heavier into drug use, I eventually, you know, I sold all of my equipment and, uh, you know, I eventually stopped playing altogether. And from the time I was 18 to 21, it was, became like a real dark point in my life. Um, you know, I'd gotten out of rehab when I was 18 years old and, um, 
I was trying to do things kind of right, but not really. I wasn't really willing to surrender to the Lord. And so what it, what eventually ended up happening was I was just hanging out with, uh, you know, uh, you know, I started hanging out with drug dealers and, you know, eventually, um, you know, I had, I had enrolled at Penn State University and I was going there, but I, you know, I, as things got worse, just over a couple of months, um, you know, it got to the point where I was just always uh, high and uh, always drinking. And hmm. this one night, me and this buddy, we stole a bunch of money and drugs um, from a drug dealer. And we drove down to a major city and we sold it all right away. And and I hopped on a train and I moved to Dallas, uh, Texas. And I lived down there and basically moved down to one of the largest homosexual communities in the country. It was Oakland and Dallas, right outside of Dallas. And I just I smoked crystal meth. And... Uh, hmm. And, you know, I just, I, we just, I just stayed high for a long time. And, um, you know, eventually I, I was homeless. I didn't have anywhere to live. I was just sleeping on people's couches wherever I could go. And, uh, I just got, uh, I got so depressed hmm. and, uh, you know, I got to the point where I was just scared, you know, physically I wasn't doing well, you know, cause I would stay up constantly just getting high smoking crystal meth and I just knew that God I knew that um I knew that things weren't going to go well for me so I uh I got scared enough and I I decided to come back to my hometown and um you know God was um protecting me at that point because the guys that I had taken money and drugs from they had come looking for me with pistols and Hmm. um you know and just I don't know what would have happened if they would have found me but I'm you know I'm just grateful to be here and so I came back and um you know, I, I tried to get my life together, but I didn't really want to let God be involved. And so I, I got back involved at Penn State and joined a fraternity, but, you know, and was okay for a very short period of time. And But then the drug use just started again. And uh, the drinking, and I eventually dropped out of college. I had the police looking for me all the time hmm. uh, because, um, you know, I was just running from them. I had been running from them from the time I was 18. And... um so I had people looking for me. I had the police looking for me. I was a liar. I was a thief. I would steal from you. If you're my friend, I would lie to you. You know, I would, uh, I was caught in a cycle where I would, um, you know, I felt so much shame when I would wake up for the things that I had done. And, and half of the time I didn't even know what I had done. And so, you know, I was running for people and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know who knew what about me. And, um, and I, I would just feel so guilty and so much shame and I would swear everything off. And then, and, you know, it would be like 11 or 12, I was getting up, I was feeling terrible. And then by 4 or 5 o'clock, I was back in the same mess again. Mm-hmm. And it was just a cycle that happened over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I knew, I knew that I couldn't get out. And um, I knew that God was never going to be able to use me, that I was going to be a loser, um, you know, that I, I just, you know... And but I couldn't stop, and so it was the summer of, uh, that I was 21 years old, and I just I was drunk one night, and I don't know what else I was doing, but I just you know things got bad enough, and I just hit my knees, and I said, God, I can't stop this, I cannot stop, and I said, help me, and um, you know, and then I got up and I left, and I forgot about it. Well, a couple months later, I was arrested, and um, you know, I uh, I went to jail, and in jail, there's no, you know, I didn't have any outside influences. You know, I was kind of cut off from that cycle and that lifestyle. And I remember it was my 19th day in jail, and I remember saying, I don't have to live like this anymore. You know, this, you know, it took that long for the light to turn on. And at that point, I began going to Bible studies. I began 
going to kind of support groups and um I was in jail for a while and um and while I was in jail, man, I began to write songs. I remember to hear I remember hearing the songs in my head and uh I would write down the words really quickly and whenever they would let me out of the jail cell there's this beat up guitar that they had that I could play for about an hour <laughs> and I would just write the melodies really quick and um and from there I went to rehab and there was a there's an amazing counselor who was just on fire for the Lord and um you know, he was mentoring me when I was in rehab and you know from the time that I was 21, I'm going to give my age away now, but I'm 32. So that, you know, that was 11 years ago. And, and now it's the last time I had any kind of drug or alcohol in my system. And God has just been so faithful to me hmm. over the years. He's, he's put my life back together. He's, um, you know, I've been married for seven years to an amazing woman that came out of a similar background. And, you know, the thing that has been really powerful in my life was in 2008, you know, I've been a worship leader and I've been traveling for a while. And, um, you know, one day I could have so much confidence to get up and lead people in worship because, you know, I fasted. I felt like I had done a lot of great stuff that week. And the next week I'd done something I wasn't proud of and I had no confidence. And, um, you know, it was just this up and down lifestyle. You know, God had his head turned towards me one minute or his back turned towards me. And the next minute he was, you know, I was in his good graces. And that got so tiring, just up and down in the treadmill. And, you know, maybe some of your listeners feel like that right now. And the thing that I learned that really rocked my life is that God is never relating to you on the basis of you and your performance. He is relating to you on the basis of Jesus Christ and his perfect performance and his perfect obedience. If your faith is in him on the cross, credit for Jesus' perfect obedience was transferred into your account and credit for all of the sin that you would ever commit was transferred into his account and God punished it on the cross. And in First John, it says, as Jesus is, as he is, so are we in this world. And I just want to encourage believers, Jesus right now is righteous, he is clean, he is blameless before the Father, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. And I want to say to you, as Jesus is right now, so are you. In him, blameless, clean, because of what he did on the cross. And, you know, that was really the inspiration for the song, was that, God, your faithfulness to me and to my brothers and sisters in Christ is not tied up in us. Hmm. It's wrapped up in you and in your perfect son. And that just makes my faith sore because God wants to bless perfection. And, and he has given me the gift of perfection. He's given me the right standing of Jesus. And not only that, he's put Jesus in me. So everything Jesus has, we have. If Jesus has victory, if Jesus is victory, if Jesus is righteousness, if Jesus is peace, guess where he is? He's in us. So we have 100% of everything he is already in us. It's not about what, what we need to get. It's about what we already have. And, uh, you know, that was just kind of the, the heartbeat of the song, you know. Um, you know, vic victory lives in us, and, and he will not fail in us and with us. Sure, that's that's wonderful to hear, and uh, and again helps to really resonate as we hear God in me when we hear some of your story. But uh, the the cool thing about it is, as Christians, it's all of our story, you know, and it doesn't matter mm -hmm. if we've sunk to the depths of the farthest deeps or if uh, if we came to God very early. Um, it's the same grace, which is a beautiful thing. And I I was just thinking as I was listening to you talk. Uh, the podcast just prior to this one, we did a uh, a tribute to Brennan Manning, and uh, mm. we were talking, you know, just some of the ways that he was so transparent, but um, was so um, 
just unashamedly a uh, a purveyor of the gospel of grace and uh, he knew, yes. he knew that he needed it and uh, and he knew that we needed it and so uh here we are you know a couple weeks after his passing and uh, it just it sounds like uh, you guys would have gotten along very well with your stories together. <laughs> uh, yeah he's a, he's a great author and i just you know i think his message was um the powerful thing about his message was, you know, in the Bible where it says, the same way that you received him, so walk in him. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we received him by grace, you know, through his goodness. And the same way that we got in is the same thing that carries us through. It's his goodness and his grace. And Yeah, I just, I love him, man. He was, he was a great, uh, you know, a great author, and he really had something powerful to say. Yes, he did, for sure. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. I know that's going to be a, a real help to so many listeners out there. And uh, I, I'm even thinking of a, a person that I go to church with right now that uh, just a few weeks ago came in with a very similar story, had had just uh, left a life of drugs and said he knew he needed the Lord, and he's just really um, uh, enjoying the, the newness, you know, the new relationship with God and the newness that's there. And I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to play this interview for him because it's going to be a real blessing and a help, I know. Um, oh, I want to talk a little bit, um, just briefly, if you have a minute to do this, I'd love to hear some about your mission trip to Burma. I know you just got back not too long ago, and as I was looking at your website, it seemed like you were really excited about some things that were going on there. Oh, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was an amazing trip. Uh, we went down to, um, Myanmar, Burma, um, and, the, you know, it's right in between China and India, and, um kind of down in that pocket so it's about as far away as you can get from the united states and uh you know they're uh just in a lot of unrest right now a real time of transition recently came into democracy and it's kind of a borderline democracy um you know a lot of christians are still being persecuted by the government and uh you know it's a highly buddhist population and um you know there there are people who are losing everything for their faith in christ and uh you know jobs their homes are being burnt down um, some people are dying, and uh, you know, I went down to southern uh, Myanmar and uh, was in the capital city of uh, Yangon, and uh, you know, there is just a, a immense poverty. You know, people living on fifty fifty dollars a month if they have a job, and uh, you know, I was I went down to a um, a Bible conference where I ministered and I led worship, and they invited you know uh, people and leaders from all over to come in and. Um, you know, I got to share the gospel, you know, just this message that God's goodness uh, to us is not based upon our performance, but on the performance of Jesus. And, you know, I I got to share that. And then also, um, you know, we had, uh, I got to spend a couple days, um, you know, with um, a bunch of seminary students uh, that are being raised up and, um, you know, by a church in the United States, they have a seminary down there. And but the, the but the main thing that I got to do was I got to hang out with a bunch of um, orphans, and there is just a high, um, you know, population of orphans in Myanmar, just kids that don't have anybody. And at the orphanage I was at, there were 120 children, which is um, it was it was a large uh, orphanage, and it was amazing. The second that uh, you walked onto the property, they just swarmed you, and they didn't want to let go of you, and so. I spent a lot of the time uh, on the orphanage just being surrounded by children. And uh, it was an amazing experience. You know, it was really, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, the, you know, a lot of people go, I think, on a, on maybe a missions trip or, you know, if they're doing ministry in a real impoverished country. And 
a lot of times I think we can feel guilty for what we have in the United States. But the thing that I saw there was that everything that was happening over there was being um, done by funds that were coming from the United States. And I was just, it was a real interesting perspective because they were really grateful. And, um, you know, so, uh, you know, it was really cool to see. Um, there are a lot of people over there that are working, that are really committed um, to the gospel. And um, they're just, you know, day in and day out, a lot of these seminary students are going to go out into Myanmar and Burma um, into places where the Bible hasn't even been translated. And they're going to live on no, barely any money and they're going to be persecuted. And it was really, um, it was, you know, it was really uh, made me think about a lot of things in my own life, just how, uh, you know, just the reality that they live in. Uh, so it was a really interesting experience. <laughs> wow. And it and it does change you. I, I know that I spent some time uh, in Kenya uh, a few years back. And same thing, you, when you're in uh, an area like that, it's, it's such a different, um, it's culture shock for one thing. Uh, but I was always amazed at, at the, the beauty and the gratitude and the graciousness of people there that um, they gave not out of what they had, but they gave out of what they didn't have, you know, and they were so, yeah. uh, they just made me feel so loved. And I, I just wanted to do anything I could for them. And, uh, you know, by their standards, I'm rich. Um, but they, yeah. <laughs> they were just so gracious to me. And I, I remember even one service where they had next, you know, they had nothing, less than nothing. And, um, I remember they brought out these little, uh, what they call biscuits. They're almost like cookies to us and, and some bottles of soda. And uh, it was like they gave that to us as a gift. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what, what they must have had to give up that week just to provide that for us. And, and we would just so take it for granted here. But the, God's people are, are so blessed and gracious around the world. And it really does change us as Americans, I think, when we get to see it firsthand. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing about that, and we're starting to run out of time, so I don't want to take advantage too much of it, but um, let, let's talk quickly about something kind of fun as well. Um, let's talk about your gear. Uh, I know you're a guitar player. What's your What's your favorite guitar to play, or do you, do you have one? Well, ironically, I have this guitar that, uh, I have this guitar that is, uh, it's a 1972 Carbon that I bought on consignment. Um, years ago, and uh, I think at the time in, in the 70s, Carbon was really trying to emulate a Les Paul. Hmm. And, I mean, this guitar, I I love this guitar. I mean, I play this guitar. I've stacked it next to Les Pauls, and I just can't find a guitar that sounds the same or has the same action. So right now, it's my favorite electric. Acoustically, uh, I'm a Taylor guy. Um, nice. You know, I just... I love uh, I love Taylor's. I have a 414 CE, and uh, I just love the sound. It just has a real bright and warm tone at the same time. So those are my two uh, those are my two go-to instruments. Isn't it? Isn't it like one of the most fun things you can do in life is to just sit with a good guitar and play? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I, just, I just love it. It's 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 just one of those things that you know. Um, I, I think it was Eric Liddell used to talk about running. You know, he would run. He said he would feel the joy of the Lord as he did it, and I think I feel that way when I play guitar. I can totally relate to you, man. <laughs> Well, one last question here, and this is not nearly a uh, a spiritual question or anything, but this is one that our listeners answer every week over on the Voices in My Head podcast board. And uh, the question for you this week is, uh, which summer movie are you most looking forward to? And I guess I should ha have that maybe a little in parentheses, if there's one you're looking forward to. <laughs> 
You want to know? I am. I am such a pathetic consumer of entertainment. Um, I. I. You know. I am so detached from. Uh, I, I don't even know what movies are coming out this year, and <laughs> I. There. You know. I, I. I guess I'm just spontaneous. So I'll see like a preview for something that's coming out in three days, and I'll be like, I want to go watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> but I. I really don't have one on the horizon. Um. So I wish I could give you a better, more definitive answer there. <laughs> you know what? Uh, that's probably one of the best, most countercultural answers you could have said. That was just <laughs> just perfect. Well, you know, your your answer. I'm I'm just too far. You know, I'm not that worldly. I don't enjoy movies. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, trust me, man. I'm I'm not all that in a bag of chips. I'm just detached. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, no. That's fine. We're we've had a lot of listeners give a lot of different movies they're looking forward to this summer. But it is kind of the the irony of it when summertime comes and we're looking forward to you know the warm weather what do we look forward to a lot of us going to a movie theater you know <laughs> instead of being out oh yeah totally <laughs> so, <laughs> well alan it has been really really great to talk to you i want to encourage any pastors or anybody out there that may be listening that would like to have alan in your church or any venue um in your area you can go to his website which is um alan scott music.com i believe yeah alan scott music.com and uh, he's got lots of great information there there are videos there you can see his testimony um from when he was on the 700 club and and shared what you heard today we got to hear a little bit more in depth um, than what he was able to share there Um, but if you want to share that with somebody just send them to his website because it's really a, a great place to go you get all kinds of information about his ministry you can follow him on twitter at alan scott music uh, anything else that I'm missing today that I should let them know about before we go? Um, I, you know, I don't think so. I new new uh, new tune. I hope you guys like it. May uh, May fourth will be available on iTunes, and uh, yeah, I, I hope it ministers to you guys. All right. Well, right as we uh, end this interview, we're gonna play that song. Alan Scott, thank you so much for being one of the voices in my head this week. Thank you.
been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.